Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, welcome to episode number 93 of the Inspired to Action podcast. Today we're talking with Jenny Easton about raising children with learning challenges. Now, Jenny has experience with this not just as a professional, but also as a mom. So we're going to go through her journey of receiving the diagnosis about her son all the way to advocating for him in the educational system. And Jenny shares so much wonderful wisdom regardless of whether or not your child faces a learning challenge. You're going to love what she has to share, and it's appropriate really for a mother in any stage or season. I also want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, which is plantoeat.com. And if you happen to be listening to this on November the 30th, don't miss their huge yearly sale. Now, plantoeat.com is a wonderful deal no matter when you get it all through the year. But today in particular is the last day of their Black Friday weekend sale. So if you're listening to this today, November the 30th, head over to plantoeat.com and check out their yearly sale, which is basically that you can get a whole year for half price. A wonderful, wonderful deal. I buy it every single year and usually give some his gifts too. So definitely go check that out. Plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action. And also, if you go to that link, you can learn more about my meal planning boot camp, which will help you get started on using plan to eat as quickly as possible. Now, finally, before we get into the content of today's show, I want to say a thank you to one of my wonderful listeners who left a review on iTunes. Callie JCL from Canada says, I love, love, love the Inspired to Action podcast. Every time I turn it on, no matter what I'm doing, I find myself coming away encouraged and re-inspired to be a great mom. It can be a lonely journey sometimes, but Kat is so encouraging and the podcasts are so personal. It almost feels like you're sitting down to have a cup of tea with someone who's really got your back and wants to encourage you. Highly recommend this podcast. Thank you for those words, Callie JCL. I love that my heart for the show is really coming across because I do want it to feel like we're sitting down to have a cup of tea. And I do want everyone listening to feel like I've got your back. I want to bring you as much encouragement and wisdom as I can in this motherhood journey. So Callie, if you want to send me an email at inspiredtoaction uh, at gmail.com, I have an Inspired to Action Planner I would love to send to you. You are this week's winner of the Inspired to Action Planner for leaving that review. And if any of you listening would like a chance to win the Inspired to Action Planner, just leave a review on iTunes and I'll pick out a new winner each and every week. And if you'd like to learn more about the Inspired to Action Planner, just go to inspiredtoaction.com forward slash planner. All right, let's jump into our content today with Jenny Easton. Hey, Jenny, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Kat. It's good to be with you. It is very good to be with you as well. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever talked to a doctor on the podcast. I'm trying to think through all the guests that I've had. I think you might be the first. So can I just call you Dr. Jenny the whole time? I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'll be a disappointment. (laughs) If you do that, yeah. No, you know, I tease people. I say, you know, some people needed to go to school longer than others. And so that's, it. I'm really just at par now with everybody else. You know? so but you have a cool don't. title. Uh, oh, I know. You so know, that's fun. Funny? You work for that and you work for that. And then I never think of it. I just <laughs> never do. But anyway, it was, that was a, a journey getting through that. But uh well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family and what you're a doctor in? Because those listening might be thinking that you're a medical doctor. Who knows what kind of doctor you are? So tell us a little bit about you and your family and your background. 
Okay, great. So I went to school forever and, <laughs> um, and I got a PhD. And really why I wanted to do that is I loved children and I felt um, especially drawn to those who needed extra help. And I wanted to get more tools um, so that I could help them, you know, as much as I could. And so I went to school. I did a bachelor's in special education. I did a master's in um, behavioral intervention and autism. And then my PhD is in administration and behavioral intervention. So really, um, in lay terms, what that is, is I worked with kids who don't fit in the school system, um, who are excessively angry, um, who can't seem to follow the rules or use the right um, social skills to get the things that they want. So I worked for two different school districts and um, started up an alternative school in one and just loved it. I loved that I never knew what was coming and I loved the uniqueness of the kids. Um, they didn't fit in the box, but yet they had so much more to offer. And so I was able to, to see that and call attention to that and build relationships with those kids. So that's what I did. I haven't done that for some time now. Um, but my family, we have a family of four, and it's miraculous, Kat. Um, my husband and I got married 15 years ago, and uh, I just knew that I wanted him to be the father of our children. Uh, he was really the dad uh that I didn't have. And I, that sounds really, really negative, but he had so many qualities that I didn't have when I was a child. Mm -hmm. He had so much to offer my kids. And so um, we just, you know, after I finished my doctorate, we finished, uh, we started um, trying to, to have a family. It didn't go the way that we had, had planned. And um, we ended up going through five years of infertility um, with treatments, three different in vitro cycles. Our um, children were actually frozen in the bottom of nitrogen tanks. And the interesting thing is I have both a girl and a boy, and the girl is younger in real life. But in truth, she came before the boy. She was frozen for six years at the bottom of a nitrogen tank. So God even ordered wow. their birth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they were carried by two different um, surrogate mothers. And so I have never birthed a child. Um, I have been pregnant one time that I knew of, but I've never birthed a child. And yet God has given me two uh, miracles. So that's a little bit about. Wow. That's a podcast in and of itself right there. Right. Yes, I know. It's my goodness, walking with Jesus. I'm telling you, it has been, it's been something else, you know? I love, um, I just love the, I guess, the era that we live in, mm -hmm. that all of that is possible. Yes. That's just amazing. And and the hearts, I have a friend actually who was a surrogate mom. Oh. And um, I just think that's incredible. It is, it is so incredible. And, you know, I don't even think I fully get it right now. Mm -hmm. My dad, you know, when our, our son was born, my dad said, you know what, Jen, um, when you were 65, you were going to look back at this and you're going to go, how in the world did this happen? I Because he knew. I mean, I just had kind of glossy eyes. I didn't know what had happened. And I think I, I, I still don't know what happened. I, I'm still just like, whoa, Jesus that's that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You did you did the miraculous here. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it is amazing. So you have two miracles walking around your house. How old are they now? Yeah. Uh, well, my son is seven and a half, and my daughter is three and a half, and they are quite a, quite a pair. They uh, you know. They figure out a way to get along. You know, when, when they live in the same house, it's like, you know, my girl learns how to play guns and he, he learns how to do some of her stuff too, hide and go seek. And so they figure it out. And it's so cool to watch, you know, this friendship bud mm -hmm. between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So it's it, that's really neat. Mm, I love it. I have noticed lately just how special it is when 
siblings bond. This morning, my son wanted to come in and help me wake up my daughter. He's eight and she's 13. Mm. And, um, she, you know, she doesn't always want her little brother in her room, and mm. so especially when she's waking up because she's mm-hmm. a teenager and she doesn't always want to wake up. <laughs> so, yeah. so I went in to wake her up and he was kind of standing at the door and he opened his arms up and he's like, hug hug and she's like come here and so he came in and he got to snuggle with her and i just kind of stood there and i was like oh that is just that just makes yeah that's just a gift right there um okay so today we're talking about children with learning disabilities and how to navigate that as a mother Mm -hmm. um and, and how really not even just to navigate that for our child but even to navigate it in our own hearts. And you've come up with kind of three different phases that we go through. Can you just give us a general um, overview of what those three phases are? Well, I think that when we have children, um, we love the word exceptional, you know, because we want our kid to, to be noticed for great things, you know, whatever it is, whether it's character qualities or their academic or their sports performance or whatever, we want people going, oh, yeah. He is really, or she is really special. Mm-hmm. And and when you start noticing that there are differences or exceptionalities, and they're not necessarily the positive, shiny ones, it's a bit of a shock. Because even if you know yourself, I struggle with this, or I am poor at this, even if you knew that, and so you could expect that your kids may have these these genetic um, issues passed down to them, it's still a complete and utter shock when somebody else notices the exceptionalities and they're not the ones that you want them to see. And so the first step that I think we went through is just an information gathering um, step where we Uh, could take in just small bits of information because we would deny in our hearts that there was a problem. We would deflect and think, well, maybe it's about something else. Maybe it's about my parenting. Maybe I have failed to expose my child to enough academic stimulus. Um, So you go through those emotions And I think every parent goes through those emotions anyway. I think it's just maybe uh, a little bit more when you have a kid that's not fitting in. So, you know, in that information gathering phase, we listened to people and we didn't necessarily like what they had to say. But one thing that I'm so grateful for is that we have written notes, Mm -hmm. our notes, And professional notes like from occupational therapists and reading specialists because at the time you're receiving the information, like I said, you know, you may be present physically, but everything is spinning for you. Mm -hmm. And so I would recommend that just, you know, being very humble and saying, I hear what you're saying. And it's, it, it may in fact be helpful, but I just need you to write it down for me <laughs> or type it or, you know, send it to me in an email um, what your observations are because I'm going to need a, a bit of time to process this. That's excellent information, probably in any sort of medical situation because we're getting all this new information that we have no grid for. Yes. And how helpful to have that written down. And just, I love your encouragement to do that because I think a lot of parents would be, feel, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but whenever I'm in like a mm-hmm. doctor or teacher or, you know, any sort of situation like that, I always feel like I'm five years old and yeah. I'm afraid to be assertive at sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that you um, would encourage the listener to say, hey, can you just send me that in an email? Can you write that down? Because that, like you said, is going to be so helpful yeah. for them. When oh, no, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I was, it, I was just going to say it's, it, it is interesting. You said that, you know you feel like a five year old. Well, heavens, I mean, I came in, I uh, came to the table and and had these degrees, and so surely I must have suspected it. Surely I must have figured this out, and and yet I felt five, mm. and so I think that 
I think that is important, you know, to just go, listen, I'm a parent first. Mm -hmm. Even though I have education, it has not prepared me necessarily for this um, disappointment or change or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So your son in particular Mm -hmm. has um, which challenge? Well, it's hard to know because he is seven. Um, and so really official testing begins to, to show what the strengths and weaknesses are at about seven or eight. And so he's going to be evaluated again. But from early on, he was challenged in that um, he seemed to process things slower. For instance, if I said his name, we could basically count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and then he would respond. And so other adults who were dealing with, with him would think, well, he's non-respondent or he's, you know, um, disobedient or, you know, just, just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So there was a processing delay. Um, we also saw, you know, as early as two and a half when he was in Mother's Day out for two days a week, the teacher came to me and said, well, you know, um, I think your son may be colorblind. And I said, really? That's very interesting. She said, he does not know his colors. And I thought, well, I, I'll handle this. I said, okay, well, thank you for sharing that with me. Let me just think about that for a bit. And I went home and I did a sorting activity, you know, red over here, blue over here, just to see if he could see, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was. He was able to. So that was my first kind of sign that, goodness, you know, um, things may not be sticking with him. So he's sitting in circle time. They're going, this is red, this is blue, yellow, orange. And although they are assigning a name to that color, it, is, it has no tag in his own brain so that he can recall that information. It's really just a poor working memory. And so I would say he, he, he struggles with a processing, a slower processing, which really is the core of what they call ADHD. And I had forwarded you an email or a, a link rather uh, via email to Russell Barclay's long presentation on ADHD and it's so different than people think of it you know mm. it's not just restlessness it's an actual processing disorder and I'll um, include that in the show notes for everybody listening so you can review that information as well yeah that that is just so helpful um so he struggles with with that with the ADHD and it's possible uh, that he is struggling with some dyslexia um, and even maybe dysgraphia, which would be the handwriting piece of that. So, and, and those are, you know, rooted in problems of, you know, de- decoding information and the way that they see it and the way that they're able to produce it on paper. And so um, many times when a child has one thing going on, um, they, you know, will often have something else that goes along with it. So we're still in the process of, of finding out what that is. Are there any sort of general early warning signs that people can be looking for? If there's a mom listening right now and she's kind of has something, um, you know, something that she's not too sure about, um, what are some things that she can be looking for if she's concerned about it and she wants to get some sort of early intervention? Well, I think early intervention is key. Um, we began to see things when he would be in an environment with his peers, like when we put him in soccer, <laughs> and uh, everybody would be, you know, huddled around listening to the rules and then executing those plays. And my son was on the field and he was playing; he just wasn't playing soccer. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. You know, that that was an early warning sign for us. Of course, what I told you about Mother's Day out, you know, these many of these people have worked with kids for years. And Mm -hmm. so they can uh, discriminate, you know, what is normal and what might be um, exceptional. Mm -hmm. So um, 
it was hard for me to be honest because he was my first child and my father had just passed away um, three months after um, he was born. And so I was in a bit of a, um, a grief and an emotional fog. And so I wasn't sure I was seeing everything correctly. I was, I, I was realizing that everything was delayed, um, whether it be potty training or learning how to count to 10. Uh, or saying the ABCs. When I would look up on um, child center or baby center, whatever it is, or it gives you kind of markers, um, about age two and a half and beyond, I saw um, that there were some gaps in between what they stated was normal and what we were experiencing with, with him. So once you met with um, experts mm. and they said there there's something here mm. how did you handle it did you go through a period of denial um yeah and then you know obviously you have a lot of vision now for your son uh, yes. how did you go what was that process like and how did you walk through it and what encouragements would you have for moms um well the first thing i told you when when they said he was colorblind um my response when anybody gave me information was thank you for the information or that's interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that word because it just doesn't say much. Just that, <laughs> in, <laughs> that just means I just need to go home and think about it. And so um, I went home and I thought about it for two days and I was really kind of on fire, to be honest. I came back to the school and I said, you know what, I appreciate you telling me that. I've done my own informal research and I have decided that is not the case. But I want to tell you something else while I was doing my research that I noticed about my son. He has an exceptional heart for people, an emotional intelligence that nobody could even teach him. And I said, I don't know if you've seen that in the classroom, but I sure see that at home. And he is one of the finest two-and-a-half-year-olds I have ever been around. I said, you know, I would not be surprised if he was our next pastor. I love that. And so, you know, the, you know how we are. We're moms. We are fiery when right. it comes to our kids. And she looked straight at me and she said, um, well, you know, it's great that he has you as a mom because he's going to need it. Hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of a, mm. that's kind of like, oh, that's a compliment. Ooh, what is that? Right. What does that mean to right. me? So I was really scared to death. Because I didn't know what that would mean, what it would mean to be his mom. I knew that for that minute, I had fire. But I looked at the future and I thought, gosh, goodness, are, are we talking about something that's going to remediate? Or we're just going to get over it developmentally? Where are we going? Lord, I don't know where we're going here. And that just scared me to death. One thing that's helped me... Um, in terms of giving tips to other parents, one thing that's helped me to realize is as fiery as I am about my kids, God is more fiercely fathering my kids than I am mothering them. Mm. Because as you go through the in vitro process, you realize when an egg is released out of the fallopian tube, there is a point in time when that egg is suspended for a second or two before it's ever caught and absorbed back into the uterus. So even from the beginning of time, Cat, God's hand has been on us. There are a million times we could have fallen through the cracks. And when you see the process as I have with the surrogacy and the, and the you know, thawing and unthawing and rehydrating and all of this, you begin to understand that we are no accident at all. And so if God is that intentional about bringing us into the world, don't you think he will be that intentional about delivering us to the next best place so that he can accomplish what he says he's planned in advance for us to do? And when I realize that, when I think, oh, and I go, okay, Lord, I know I love him. I love my son. Uh, but Jesus, you love him more. And so that has been one of the, the kind of the big, broad strokes, the themes, the things that I fall back on when I'm just 
maybe at a loss, you know, as a, as a mom. That sounds, I mean, that's encouraging to me. Mm. And I can only imagine in the midst of it, what a, I don't know, just like a blanket of comfort that was mm-hmm. that you are not the bottom line. You are not every, everything does not rest on you. Yes. And and you don't have to understand everything perfectly and get him the perfect resources. God has his hand on it. Correct. And God is taking care of everything. I love that. Yes. I love that. Um, yes. So once you got, you know, maybe not an exact diagnosis, but once you had an idea, how did you start getting vision for helping him and, and, and what to do next? Um, well, I prayed. I prayed that God would give me eyes to see my child as he sees him and that he, he would give me an unusual ability to parent. And so I just began to understand that academically, there was going to be a gap, there was going to be a lag, there was going to be a delay, there was going to, and in that space, there's going to be failure. And so then that's what we want to protect our our kids from. And so I began looking for the character traits. Um, With my my educational training, what we say uh, is to use a four-to-one ratio. So four positives to every one negative. And that's a lot of positives. So, oh, I love that you have a servant's heart. Oh, I, I love that you asked for help. That's really very smart. Um, I love that you care about people and that you ask them questions. You know, I, I really increased, uh, the amount of positive feedback that I, that I gave him. And I started thinking about what are some extracurricular activities that he can excel in. And and even still, that was hard. I told you our experience with, with, uh, soccer. But one thing I realized when we had enough information to know there was a problem, is that uh, our self-concept can be determined best by what the most important person in our life thinks about us. And so I had power, whether I wanted to use it for good or, or not. It's so easy with a kid who is distractible to yell and to want to get their attention. And I'm not saying I haven't done that and been there because I am so imperfect. But what I immediately knew is that I needed to take care of his heart. And so I began to plant positive seeds in his heart and humor. I mean, we use humor huge in our house. And, you know, if I have to redirect him, I may talk in another voice. Like I say, I talk Russian. I don't even know. (laughs) And so I'll begin speaking in another voice. And I'll say, do not frustrate me. I will speak Russian to you. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, um, I try to, to keep it pretty light. And if I'm real upset, if it's on a fundamental value, if you're hitting a nerve, then I get more emotional with him than I do. Um, ugly, I guess. I get down on this level and say, this is so important to me. So I parent him a little bit different than I, than I parent my other um, child. Uh, there's just a lot of positive and there's a lot of, a lot of laughing and a lot of distraction. So um, I think th- those are some things that I thought about after um, we, got, we got the news. And then I also just kind of changed my expectations, and this was not easy, and it's still going on, to, to realize that, okay, we're on a journey here, and we're not on, um, you know, Mike's journey or, you know, uh, Joy's journey. We're, we are on your journey, mm-hmm. and we're going to get there as slow or as fast as we can But along the way, we're going to learn some really key things about God because in our weakness and the things that are hard, that's when he shows up and that's when he's our strength. And so we talk about that and we celebrate um, any victory, any little victory. You may potty train late, but goodness, I am throwing you a party. You are going to have a hat on your head. There are balloons 
So we're just on a different clock now than, you know, than we had anticipated. Mm -hmm. And so I use that, the, the, I call it the gift of celebration to really call attention to progress and not perfection. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm like taking so many notes while you're talking because all of your, everything that you're saying is just flat out great parenting advice. Aww. regardless of the situation or whatever. I, and I love uh, what you said about adjusting your expectations because we all have expectations of our children, regardless of whatever their learning ability is or isn't or however it matches up to any anyone else. Mm-hmm. And every single child needs to have different expectations. We should have unique expectations for each one of our kids because they're all so different. And I think... The expectations that we have can, you know, they're kind of the 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 glass that what is the phrase that I'm looking for? You know, the the lens that we mm-hmm. see our kids through, and we could be in the exact same situation, but if we just change that lens, everything could be totally different. And it's such a great foundation for whether we get frustrated with them, for whether we are disappointed or angry or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yes. so, just taking that time to be like, God, what? is the expectation. What is your expectation for this child? Yes. And give yes. me your expectation for him or for her. And just that simple moment could make a much bigger difference than a thousand parenting books. Yes. So yes. I, I love that you, I love that you did that. Um, yeah. That's so good. Um, okay. So your son is in school now. Yes. And our school system serves lots of kids, whatever, you know, whatever, whoever's listening, whatever school setting your kid is in, whether it's homeschooling, whether it's public schooling or private schooling or whatever, you're dealing with something, unless you're writing your own curriculum, which, you know, props to you. Um, But you're probably dealing with somebody somewhere that has different expectations and we need to advocate for our children. And Mm -hmm. I imagine the struggle is probably more um, for you because you need to advocate very specifically for mm-hmm. your son. So mm-hmm. how do parents do that? How do we do that when the system is so big and there are so many kids that they're serving? I guess we start by being honest, really, really honest. I know that a lot of um, people struggle because their kids are struggling and they don't want to be honest about it. And um, Not because they're not honest people. It's just oh my goodness, where could that lead? It's just a tremendous amount of fear. And so we keep our kids in places where they're really, really struggling um, instead of possibly looking into some resources, maybe even changing schools, who knows? Uh, there's a ton out there. I mean, I live in Dallas. We have Scottish Rite um, Hospital here that does free testing. And so, you know, testing is a critical piece. There's um, reading specialists on, uh, I think it's ALTA.org, you can find them any any city, any state you live across the nation. You can find a reading specialist, um, uh, occupational therapist, and and such. But um, you know, I guess the first step is being honest um, about that that there is possibly some issue that needs more attention, and um, then looking into those community resources or going to the school and saying, I think there's a problem. And many schools do what parents do, which is deny and deflect. Oh, no, it's okay. It's uh, developmental. Well, parents have an intrinsic um, feeling about their children, so they know. And so it's important to know what the state laws are. And I I believe I sent a link um, to you about that, uh, just a national link about learning uh, differences and mm-hmm. And what your rights are, because schools are supposed to detect and assess um, for learning differences early on. And so, you know, a lot of parents have gotten pushed back. And the, the fact is, it's your right to have testing. You as a taxpayer are, are paying for that. In fact, my son goes to a private school now. But because we pay taxes into the public school system, I call the public school and ask them to assess him 
And so it's as if he attends the public school. Uh, We sit down at the table at the elementary school. We go through all the teacher and parent evaluations, and then they use their resources to test my child. So there's funding for that um, as well. Now, is that a Texas thing or is that a national thing? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely Texas, mm-hmm. um, but but nationally, I don't I don't know. Um, but certainly, that information could be easily mm-hmm. found uh, online. And then, if mm-hmm. it's not where you live, then you just need to move to Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's perfect here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so then, you know, kind of one last question that I want to ask because it is a sensitive subject. Yes. And well, actually, can I interject one one thing real quick? I, I also think it's important for all parents to, in a sense, emotionally disconnect from our children, it, it, not in the sense of loving them well, but in the sense of having our personal sense of well-being or our personal pride or whatever it is ride on our children's accolades. Yes. Uh, Because that's so easy to do. If if our kids are great, then we think that we are great. And if our kids aren't doing great, then we think that we're not doing great. But in reality, they are actually their very own people. And God made them each one unique. And it is not a reflection of our ability to educate our children or parent our children per se. You know, there's obviously a little bit of gray area there because we can have such a huge impact on our kids. But I think it's important that we in that realm, emotionally disconnect so that our highs and lows aren't tied to the praise that we get. Yes. Um, or the key. questions that we get about our children. Our job is to shepherd them and to coach them and to be their advocate. Um, mm-hmm. It's not our job to ride on their backs and, you know, their successes or whatnot. So, um, and, and by riding on their backs, I didn't mean like, you know, ride yeah. them and, and push them. I meant, you know, we don't need to hang on their coattails of, you know, whatever praise, you know, any which way you go. I was talking to a mom just the other day and she has several kids and she's talking about how one of them excels academically, like mm-hmm. is just amazing. And mm-hmm. then a couple of the other ones are on the opposite spectrum. And, mm-hmm. you know, she had to go through the process of emotionally disconnecting from their perceived successes or failures in different areas um, because she was like, it's, it's who they are. God made them a certain way with certain gifts and talents. And there are certain things that are praised in our society more than others. And it's just important just to love our kids for who they are and not ride any coattails and think that we're great or not great um, as parents, but just love them as well as we can. Yeah. And I think about too, um, you know, I've been thinking about this quite a bit the last couple of days because I, I knew we were going to be chatting about this. But I I was thinking about the verse in the Bible. It's actually, I looked it up. It's in Micah 6, 8. And it says, what God um, requires of us is to, let me see if I have it here. Something about acting justly, loving mercy. Do you know what I'm talking about, that verse? I do. Um, yeah. So God doesn't, you know, say we, I require straight A's and a great attitude, you know, (laughs) all of it together. I don't, but he requires us to grow in favor with God and with man. And so as long as my children are doing that, um, then they're moving in the right direction. Now, of course, we want to learn about God's creation. We want to know him more. And, and academics help us to do that and function in a society where you need those skills. But above that is that we grow in our relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, I really believe, you know, that God speaks loudest many times in these in our weaknesses. And we look at society and we think, okay, well, goodness, Kat has this job and I have this job. And, and we have all different jobs in life. I mean, in adult life. And so then why shouldn't we expect such differences and um, in ability level and in interest? Because God has created 
a diverse creation. Why shouldn't we expect that in our kids as well? Mm -hmm. Uh, There will be a place for them. There will be work for them to do because God said he planned it in advance. And so you just change your whole filter. Mm -hmm. You know, I often say God is not a redundant creator. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I have different children and there are some children of mine that have been a relative breeze to parent and then in in different seasons and then others in different seasons have made me need Jesus more. And if I didn't have that child, I would not be walking as closely with Jesus. And they had challenges, but it made me need Jesus. And, you know, he's not a redundant creator and everybody is here for a different purpose and a different call. And everyone, um, you know, is called by him and has a a, a role to play in a Mm storyline in, in his, what I like to say, his epic of human history. Yeah. Um, and we want to we want to honor that. Um, I do want to ask this question, though. Mm. Um, be- like I said before, because it, it can be a sensitive thing, especially for for parents, maybe in the early stages of diagnosis, mm-hmm. or you know, even later on as well. What are some tips you would give on what to say or not to say mm. to a parent? <laughs> because a we don't want to bring question. out the mama bear. Yeah. No, no. Um, well, I actually asked some other mothers um, the other day about what, what has been said to you that has been the most hurtful thing. And one of them told me that the school had told them that, you know, they needed more to be more consistent with their child and signing, um, they needed to sign up for parenting class. And I guess um, comparing to other siblings, that would be hurtful. Um, I think if you would, were to ask, you know, what causes this? I'm not sure that's particularly helpful. Um, mm. I had a lady say to me the other day, um, we were at a luncheon and She's super nice. She always has been. She's always sought out positive conversations. So I know that about her. But she she said to me, she said, I was thinking about you because my friend is a doctor and he's done a lot of research on in vitro and ADHD. And as perfectly as they try to get this done and as well as they do it, they find there's a higher incidence of ADHD and in vitro babies. And so whether it's true or not, I don't know. And, um, and I don't really want to know. Right. I just, um, I had to kind of take that in the context of who she is. And she is lovely. And she was not trying to hurt me. But, of course, my kids were in vitro babies because I was not able to do it myself. So I certainly would not have made any choices that would have, you know, hurt, hurt my children. And, and that was kind of... It was along those lines. I think in terms of what to say, mm-hmm. um, goodness, we could go on and on <laughs> about what to say. You know, parents pour into their kids. And so um, anytime you bring up a character quality, not, not something that's academic, but um, some sort of character quality and just link that back to, oh, my goodness, you know, um, John is such a joy to be around. Mm. And every time I talk with him, he is so polite. And I can just hear you talking through him. I can just tell you poured over him. So that might be a really great compliment. Um, anything that has to do with manners or, or character, um, one thing that the teachers say about my son is that they just love to be in the same room with him, that he brings such a calm and such a joy to the classroom. And so that, you know, of course, I just, I just love to hear that because that's what he brings to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it is mm-hmm. tricky, but I believe if, if you pray about it, God will give you his eyes to see. And I can also tell you it is so appreciated. 
when somebody finds the really great and the really redeeming in your mm-hmm. in your child and it's really an opportunity for other people to show the heart of God because you can tell when you're in these places you can either see that there's some judgment going on or you can see that there is complete grace and love mm-hmm. and so it's helped me to remind myself whether it's a kid with a a disability or it's a kid with a gender identification issue or it's somebody who's going through a divorce I think we like to judge and put it in a in a a square a box and that's our first response but God's response is oh I just love you I just love you And so I think it's given me some additional sensitivity training. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Jenny. If you could have one last encouragement for the moms listening, um, particularly for those who have walked in your shoes, what encouragement would you give them? Well, I don't know if it's so much encouragement. Um, as just a reminder that God is our comfort and God is our peace. I was watching a YouTube little blip about heaven is for real yesterday and Colton Burpo, the kid who got very sick and um, had a moment with Jesus. um, When he was asked what happened, he said, well, Jesus came to me. And he brought a couple of angels and they sang to me. And the guy asked him in an interview, well, what did, what did they sing? And he said, well, they sing my favorite songs. And I just wept. And my son was sitting there with me. And I just said, that's so Jesus. He comes to us and he sings songs you know. And he brings people who really love you. That is so Jesus. He was there to comfort him. He is the God of all comforts. He knows our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses. And guess what? He knows how to fix, heal, redeem. He knows how. And so I would just encourage other women to remember that Jesus is the ultimate comforter. Very good. On that note, I um, just want to thank you for taking the time to not only share your wisdom and experience, but your story. Uh, with us today. And I know that just the moms listening, whether they're walk, they walked in your shoes or, or going through that right now, um, or whether, you know, it's not something that they're familiar with. I know they got so much from this because really parenting any child is the same. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, different situations would just cause us to slow down and to be more intentional. And yeah. I love that because it inspires all of us to slow down and be more intentional with our kids. Well, it's a privilege to talk with you, Kat. Well, I appreciate it, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you would take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this
missing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercy. 